So, Father, I pray that today, again, you would continue to let these living words pour forth from your throne as you rule in each of our lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, speak your living word into our heart and write it on our mind as you promised you would from the least to the greatest of us today. Even more and beyond the words that I speak, that you speak through me, Lord, speak your living word on our hearts and write it on our mind, I pray, for your glory so that all of us can rise up out of this place knowing that we have received a living word to obey and to please you and so be filled with your joy and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. David, I was so blessed as you shared about serving the risen Lord. Last Sunday, we celebrated and sung songs of a baby that was born. The baby called Christ. And as, I, as we read the story, the word that the Lord spoke strongly to my heart was his first promise of Jesus Christ recorded in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. And she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for it is he who will save his people from their sins. That's the first promise of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. The new promise of what this baby will accomplish. Not only in life, his life on the earth, but for all eternity, for all those who believe on his name. He will save his people from their sins. You may turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Today, as we celebrate the Lord Jesus' resurrection, remembering his death on the cross, and celebrate his risen life and ascended life and ministry to us now. I felt it so fitting and I was gripped by these words of Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 1, but there will be no more gloom for her who is in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea. On the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walk in darkness. How do people walk in darkness? Confidently, boldly. How do you walk when it's so dark you can't see? Now that's pretty difficult to do unless you live way out in the country like some of you country folks. Or unless, I remember years ago when I was in Haiti. And there, there are no street lights. There's not even a reflection in the sky of city lights anywhere. We were way out remotely in the mountains. And it was so dark. I remember taking my hand and putting it right in front of my nose and I couldn't see my hand. It was as Katie likes to call, pitch dark. So how do you walk in pitch darkness? Confidently and boldly and freely? Is that how you walk? No, that's not how we walk, right? How do we walk? Cautiously. I can't see anything. So you're doing this. Fearfully. 
would be a great description, the word fearfully. The people who walk in darkness fearfully, spiritually, that's how they're relating to God. I can't see God. I don't know where he is. My spirit is dark. I don't see a light of God anywhere in my soul. Where is God? As Paul said to the Athians, we grope for him. Those who don't know for God, they grope like a man in the darkness. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? That's how many people in this world and in this world right here, we're walking with God, groping for God. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light, a great light, like the light of the sun. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Thou shalt multiply the nation. Thou shalt increase their gladness. They will be glad in thy presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the riches. And what happened when Jesus was born that night? Did the shepherds rejoice? Did those who seen Jesus, what was their response? And they were filled with joy, but not first. When the angels came in a great light to those shepherds in the dark hills of Judea, this great light, what was their message? Anyone want to tell me? What did they announce? You remember? Fear not. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. Rejoice for a Savior is born. Fear not. Those words. Fear not. No more groping for God. Jesus has been born. He will save you from the groping of your sins. And when they came and seen the baby, this word was fulfilled. They went out rejoicing. The joy of heaven had filled their hearts. The light of heaven had enlightened their eyes and their hearts. That's the prophecy of Jesus Christ to you and I today. Every one of us. When we see the king, that joy and gladness becomes ours. For thou shalt break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. Romans 6 tells us we are slaves to sin. We're born as slaves. We're not born free. We are born as a slave to the lusts of this body, the desires of my flesh, with a self-will that is stubborn and strong and will not obey. Not anyone, not even dad and mom. If you don't give me my way, wah! Right? Isn't that what a little tiny baby does? He's born as a slave. We are born not free, but as slaves. And Christ Jesus, the baby, has grown into a man who is the king of kings and the lord of lords and he alone has the authority and the power to break that yoke those chains 
like he did Peter's when Peter sat in a physical prison. Remember that night? That's recorded to us in Acts where Peter was in prison. He was seated with chains on his feet, chains on his hands, soldiers, two soldiers guarding him, one on either side, soldiers at the door, the iron gate of the prison. He was locked tight. There was no way that man was going to escape on his own. He needed a heavenly power that was supernatural. And that's what happened. One angel sent from heaven with the power and the authority of Jesus Christ to come into that prison and tell Peter, Peter, rise and walk. Come with me. Did you notice something that that angel did not do? It doesn't say that he took a, a, some kind of a mechanical, you know, uh, sword or, or a wire cutter or bolt cutters and, and, and snatched the chains off of him. No. He spoke to Peter, a man in chains, and said, rise up, Peter. Rise up. And Peter had to, needed to have the faith in his heart to believe and to get up. And as he was getting up, the chains fell off. But it took faith to please God and be delivered from that prison. The angel didn't do it for him. He spoke the living word that if obeyed, became a reality in his life. In a moment, he was set free. Dear brother, sister, this is the power of Jesus Christ to forgive all of our sins. Our sins enslave us. They are a yoke around our neck. They tie us, our hands and our feet. They enslave our spirits. And we sit in a dark, dark room called a prison of Satan and of our own flesh. But when Jesus appears... As king of kings, the first prophecy he ministers to us is he comes and he breaks the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders with a living word. And as you and I believe in our hearts, we rise up and we say, yes, Lord. We respond to that living word. The chains fall off. And as we begin to follow Christ, Peter followed that angel. The gates swing open. The soldiers are like dead men. The power, the physical powers of sin in our flesh and in the world around us, not only lose their allures to us, they lose their power. That's what they lose. The power of slavery to our soul. And Christ sets us free for the rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. Do you remember the battle of Midian? Who fought at the battle of Midian? Do you know? Gideon. You remember the story of Gideon? How weak his faith was? He was so weak. He couldn't believe without an outward miracle in front of him. Of the dew falling from heaven and nothing got wet except the little fleece he put out and then he asked for another one now let everything get wet but the fleece be dry it still was so it happened and yet he couldn't quite believe 
He said, I need to hear something more than that sign. I need something greater. And so the Lord told him to take his servant and go down, sneak down into the barracks of the, of the Philistines. Actually, it wasn't the Philistines. It was one of the others. Amalek, I think it was. Was it? I forget which nation. And so he went down and he heard one of the soldiers tell the other soldier a dream he had. How that this little roll came down off the hill and hit this mighty big army and it scattered the army. And oh, that put enough of faith in Gideon that Gideon said, okay. And so he blows the trumpet and you remember how many people came? You remember how many people came? Anyone know? 300,000. Have you ever been in a crowd of 300,000? That's a lot of people. We go to ball games where there's 70 or 80 or maybe 100,000 people, and we think, that's a lot of people? Multiply that times three. That's a big army. And then the Lord says, way too many people. And he melts it all the way down, all the way down to 3,000. 3,000. I think my numbers are correct, are they? Let me double check myself. And let's go back and read this story a little bit on Judges. Let's see, Judges chapter 6 is where the story begins. We'll find this real quickly. Uh, The sign of the fleece. Maybe I have too many people. It ended up being 300. Yeah, 22,000 people left. So maybe it was, and 10,000 people, it was 32,000, not 300. Okay, I stand corrected. I wanted to make sure I wasn't exaggerating it. But that little faith of Gideon broke the yoke of slavery that Midian had over Israel because God came down and honored that faith. And dear brother, sister, that's still the truth today. When you and I believe this promise that Jesus can save me from not only forgive my sins, but break the power of sin in my life, the addiction to sin, that's our slavery. We're addicted to it. And it's not an addiction you can self-manufacture and get out of on your own strength through discipline. You can't do it. You'll just be proud that you did it. And pride is the worst sin. God opposes. He'll fight against you if you have pride in your heart. We need someone, a savior, a king to come and break the yoke, the power of sin in our life and set us free. Verse 6. Of Isaiah 9, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful. Why do you think his name is called Wonderful? Because 
Everyone who experiences the power of Jesus Christ is full of wonder. How did this happen? You remember how Peter was when he got out on the streets and the angel left him? What just happened? What happened? Am I really free? He thought he'd seen a vision. Touched, no, the gates, they're closed. I, I'm not in a vision. He was full of wonder. And so he goes and tries to, he figures out where the, the saints are gathered and he, where the church is, is gathered and he, and he comes there and you know the story, right? They wouldn't believe it. They just wouldn't believe it till they physically seen Peter. I'm sharing this story with us because I want you to take note of the smallness of their faith. Because so often Satan comes with discouragement to our, to my heart, I think to many people's hearts, when things are really small in our life, when our faith is, Oh Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Like the man, the father of the demon-possessed child. How weak do you think his faith was? The disciples were trying and trying to cast out this demon and they couldn't. And his faith was really weak. And yet Jesus said in another place, if your faith is as the seed of a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be moved. And it will be cast into the midst of the sea. Mountains will move away from us. The big things become very small. Are moved. With little faith. His name will be called Wonderful. Counselor. Not only are you in wonder. But Peter listened to the counsel. And through that obedience. He was set free. He becomes our counselor. The one who gives us counsel in the night seasons. David said in Psalm 4. The Lord Jesus gives us counsel. In John 16, he tells us that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. In Isaiah 29, he says, and you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it when you turn to the left or to the right. And not only that, but if you do what John did to this risen king, you will turn around and behold, your eyes will see your teacher prophesying of Jesus Christ. We can see him. Our hearts, as Paul prayed for the Ephesians in Ephesians 1, the eyes of our hearts can be opened and we can receive an understanding and know it's the voice of Jesus speaking, not of my own initiative, my own worries, my own thoughts. No, these are the voice of Jesus speaking with authority that sets me free. mighty God does your heart acknowledge that God is mighty or are you still trying to convince yourself that he is mighty then maybe perhaps you need to begin to ask for mighty things in your life you see I think that sometimes we Christians in the western world have just kind of unascribed the mighty things of God towards us we're so self-reliant. We have so much money. We have so many things right at our fingertips. We don't need God anymore. The only God we need is the God who forgives me. 
I always need to be forgiven. That we surely know. I can't forgive myself. Well, unfortunately, many even teach you that. You must forgive yourself. That's your problem. Where do you read that in God's word ever? That anyone has ever said, has this Holy Spirit ever said, you must forgive yourself. No, he said you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and his forgiving power. That sets you free. Psychology has got us into all kinds of weirdness and self-confidence that is not spoken to us by the Holy Spirit and it has no spiritual life in it. That's why we're so self-reliant, perhaps. All ascribed to God. He's a mighty God. What do you think Peter did when he was set from prison there? And the church, they ascribed to God. He is the mighty God. Ask God for some of his might in your lack of power. So that your heart, not you trying to convince yourself, your heart cries out in acknowledgement, God, you're mighty. You broke the power of sin in my life. You broke the power of addiction. You have not only forgiven me, you have redeemed me. And you move mountains in my life. You're a mighty God. Eternal Father. Not only is he a mighty God, he's your dad forever. He's your dad forever. That's what Jesus promised in John 14. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send the comforter so that you cry, as Romans 8 says, Papa, Papa, I found my dad. We were born not only as slaves, but as illegitimate children. We needed a miracle called adoption. That God would adopt you and I, Gentile barbarics, do you know? That none of us here, unless you're a blood Jew, I don't know that any of us are of the Jewish bloodline physically from Abraham. We'd be killed by them. We were to be slaughtered. We weren't Israelites. We were grafted in through the glorious, majestic, mighty idea and act. The righteous act of God called adoption. And it legally takes us out of Satan's authority. And transfers us into the kingdom of Christ. Colossians tells us. There will be no end. To the increase of his government. And of peace. It didn't just get started one day brothers and sisters. There's no end to it. It's eternal. He's my dad forever. And there's no end now of his government in my life. Don't end it. Don't put an end where God says there is no end. You and I can do that. We can put an end to it by choosing to walk away. But God says, there's no end from my part. There's no end. I have adopted you for an eternal purpose. 
And when you, when we physically go through adoption, many of us have tasted of that. Some of us have. There's no end in my heart. They're my sons forever. Christian is our son in heaven. All eternity, I will see him as my boy. There's no end to adoption. It's eternal. It's God's eternal idea and wonderful legal legislation, if you want to use that word, of eternal love. Eternal. He doesn't recant. There's never that he'll look at you and say, wish I wouldn't have adopted you. Out. I'm going to go to the courts. I'll go tell the devil, there you are. Take him back. You and I can walk away. Run away from God. But God is that eternal father who calls us back, even the prodigal sons and daughters, waiting for us to come. To a, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord, not yours, not my zeal, the zeal of the Lord. Have you felt that, dear brother, sister? God's zeal over your life, his passion and love and care for you. Our father has zeal in his heart towards us. He's not this mediocre dad who sits in the recliner and props up his feet and says, Hey, kid, give me some water. Hey, kids, come on, serve me. Is that the Jesus you know? then you don't know the real Jesus. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, Philip, you have seen the Father. Our Father's nature is one of serving. Jesus said, sit down, everybody. Let me wash your feet. I am this one among you who serves. Today, he's getting ready to serve you again. He's getting ready to serve me. And as we come up to this table and take a piece of bread and a little cup of grape juice, dear brother, sister, I want you to take it from the hand of Jesus. I want you to hear his voice saying, you see me? I'm serving you because I love you. I died for you. I will continue to be your high priestly minister. I'm going to continue to minister to you for all of eternity. It tells us in heaven that Jesus will spread up the last supper and he will serve us. How do you feel about that? Can you identify with Peter who said, Lord, this is wrong. You're not going to wash my feet. I should be washing yours. But Jesus made an impactful, powerful statement. You're not the one in charge here. I am. This is my house. I've adopted you. And as your, you now are mine, and so I get to serve you. Dear fathers and mothers, have you caught that spirit with your children? Dear brothers and sisters, have we caught that spirit of love for each other in the church? This is the Jesus, not as the one who is a demanding father, demanding service, but as one who comes to serve us. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. If you and I believe, if we'll submit, 
to his government like Peter did when he washed his feet. If we will rise up in faith as Peter did to the voice of the angel, to the voice of the Holy Spirit, our chains will fall off, brothers and sisters. And there is one clear sign for sure. It happens every time in every heart. When the lame man sitting in the temple gate for 40 years is lame. Perhaps all his life. And Peter says, silver and gold I don't have. That what I have, I'm going to give it to you. And he says, rise up and walk. And he rises up and walks. And what happens? He's leaping for joy. His heart is filled with joy. When you and I are set free, that same joy is given to us. Jesus said, my joy I give to you. And that joy is real. And no Sanhedrin, no court of man, nobody can take this joy from you. The joy of a slave set free. The joy of one who's been adopted. He was in an orphanage. He was a prisoner. He was sentenced to death. And he's adopted into a family. Not only a family. The family of the king of kings and lord of lords. The most royal family in heaven and on earth. But you were not a people. But now are the people of God. That's what Peter speaks of in First Peter. You were not a people. You were nothing. But now you're the people of God. A royal priesthood. A holy nation that called out people. Let's rejoice. Let's be filled with that joy. And if you've lost it, dear brother, sister. If you've lost the wonder of what he's done and of what he wants to do for you. then I invite you to come to Jesus and let him serve you today and restore the wonder and fill you with it so that you leave this place, your heart saying he is wonderful, mighty God, counselor, prince of peace of his government. There is no end. Eternal Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are. And I pray that today, as you reminded us again, you would do that work in our hearts. Break the yoke, even of the little things, Lord, that the foxes may have eaten. Lord Jesus, as you told us, to lay aside every besetting sin which so easily besets us would you Lord Jesus come and break any yoke that still may be on us any chain even if it's just on a little finger oh Lord I pray renew your covenant with us this promise that you will save your people from their sins and be glorified in our midst we give you the glory, the honor. I praise you and bless you with my brothers and sisters, shouting glory, worthy is the Lamb who was able to do this mighty great deed in my life and will be able to do it, to perfect it in my life until the day when you change me forever to your image. I see you face to face. 
Amen.